0: We're recording. (laughs) We're
1: recording.
0: Hello, my name is Jemmy.
1: Hello, (laughs) my name is Melissa. And this is the Beauty Beast Podcast. (laughs) We sound like so professional. I know, right? (laughs) I know. And today we are talking pricing. Pricing. I love talking pricing. Melissa,
0: (laughs) you are... Melissa's probably going to put me out on French Street at some point in this episode. But I get it. We're doing like a... We're going to do a price increase together and we are. a restructure in August. Not together. We have our own right. businesses separately, right. but we're just...
1: Demi needs some motivation (laughs) she needs someone to hold her accountable (laughs) Uh, no but pricing is a very
0: big conversation especially if you're independent oh yeah um I I I guess it's also dependent at the salon you're at because depending that you could be a commission stylist but you could be given enough freedom to be setting your own pricing too so that conversation could exist there too
1: it could, yes, but I then don't. you're also not an employee, you're a 1099. Uh, I
0: know, so many great areas. So that
1: episode is coming up, and we have a right. guest for that right. episode right. who is an accountant and can explain the difference correctly. Yes. However, yes. today we are trying to just focus on pricing. pricing. Let's
0: not get distracted,
1: <laughs> right? So I see, and let me just tell you, one of my biggest pet peeves mm-hmm. on social media that I see is All of those people like, yeah, girl, charge your worth.
0: Oh, yeah, that triggers you. The charge your worth thing is not. Oh,
1: my God. It is so triggering. Well, I do
0: think that, like, the charge your worth thing, and I think that this is something that I do see sometimes that I don't enjoy, is it can almost border on patronizing to the client not like all the time but certain times where like the only thing that i notice now is like we're constantly in change when it comes to social media um uh uh-oh i hope i don't get canceled with saying this but i do (laughs) think i do think that we see sometimes like uh like a shift where, like, sometimes people really appreciate the organization. Sometimes, you know, I, I think it also goes on stresses of the world of where, course. like, sometimes as service providers, we absorb stress that people are dealing with outside, right? Of course. So when I watch things, like, with people who are like, I'm not paying a no-show fee to somebody or I'm not paying this to somebody, I'm not paying that to somebody, your prices are this, your prices are that. I think it, it, and in the last episode, I did talk about not feeding into that darker negative energy, should I say. This kind of goes along the same route. I think um, if you're like too busy, like screaming charge your worth from the rooftops, instead of doing things to make yourself believe in your worth without you needing to kind of post something that might maybe be almost like borderline i don't i'm not saying like we're in the business of only keeping our clients happy and people pleasing Of course not. but i also if i'm a client don't want to sit there and feel like it's all about numbers to you does that make
1: sense right and you know and i think the charge your worth thing irritates me because quite frankly, I am priceless, baby. Ooh, <laughs> Melissa said she's priceless. Not priceless in the sense. She that got I'm an free. egg chair this weekend
0: and said, I don't know how to act. <laughs> <heck."
1: laughs> Pretty much. But there's certain things. Like, I could think that I am worth a hundred dollars an hour, but right. my client's nails pop off every, you know, three days after right. their nails get done. So there's no like foundation to charge your worth like mm-hmm. is my worth a $35 manicure but I'm not covering my expenses for my product like yeah your worth has at least a minimum right so like that's why I think that comment irritates me there's like wait it's way too
0: loose of a comment to even make sense right of.
1: because if you're just pulling a number out of your ass, and yeah. you're like, I'm gonna charge whatever dollar amount, and this is gonna be my service. And you right. haven't actually sat down and ran your numbers. You could be losing money on every service. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you know, it, it's just that's what irritates me about pricing. There should always be a at least a minimum. So I mean, not I'm saying that you should price your services just to cover your product cost. But that's like your minimum right there to yeah. cover your product, your rent, your insurance, and things of right. that nature. And then that's not even count like factoring in what you need to get paid. What you need to get paid if you want to take vacations, if you're going to factor in sick time, mm-hmm. you know, because we all know if we're not behind a chair, we're, we're not, not getting pa- money, we're not getting paid. So do you want to factor in maybe like, you know, five days of sick time for yourself. So where, you know, that's also included in there. In your pricing structure. Right. So yeah. I think charger worth doesn't cover that. No. And I think that that it also, there's
0: so many things that go into it. Right. Um, you know, I, I I also think that you have to think about your demographic too, and I of think course. you have to also think about where you're at. Of um, course, if
1: you look at a nail artist out in California, their right. minimum, like one of my friends, she's st- her manicures for a solid color start at like a hundred and ten dollars. Right. In my area, if I was charging a hundred and ten dollars for a one color gel overlay. I would be sitting here doing nothing for most of the day.
0: Right. And 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 that's just realistically understanding that, like, while you can market yourself and price yourself to truly believe in your craft and know that there is, like, you know, a worth to, to what you've poured into your craft, you also have to be realistic that, like, if you're double to what every competitor is around you, That doesn't make you better than them, per se. And I'm not judging. Like, listen, if you can structure your pricing like that, you are able to build a clientele at your pricing like that, and it works, by all means, do it. Um,
1: But I am
0: probably a prime example of definitely needing a pricing restructure. Of course. And that's why I'm in the process of doing it now. I think when you do cap your book – Um, And some people might be like, no, that's a you issue, Demi. Um, And maybe some people (laughs) will relate to it. You know, when you do cap your book and you're not taking new clients, you end up with all of your return clients, meaning you're seeing the same people on a schedule. So sometimes they're not going to need the same amount that they're booked for. They may need a little less. And sometimes they may need a little bit more. Like, it's all dependent on the day that they come in, you know. So... I always say that like my pricing structure can sometimes fall apart because I double triple book if if I have a client who, you know, maybe was booked for a balayage but then upon her coming in we notice she really just needs a partial placement and a few face framing highlights. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not in the business of doing more than what you need just because
1: That's what you're booked for. Right.
0: Right. And I also think I have that leverage because I double, triple book. Like, Correct. I also have more flexibility in certain ways in my pricing because of that too. But with that being said, that doesn't mean that you should be super flexible. I think that sometimes, you know you set yourself up for failure when you lose structure when you and and that was something that like you and i just had a discussion about um losing structure in your business in general can create a lot of stress and you probably don't even think you're stressed you are going through the motions you're going through your everyday life and you're like no i'm fine like i'm good you you are good for that day, but that lack of structure creates like internal stress. You might not even realize you're stressed. But isn't it ten times easier if you have a pricing list to go off of and, and you know exactly what it is? And then that way, hey, they need an extra bowl of lightener. Okay, my extra bowl of lightener is this price. Exactly. Hey, they need an extra this. Okay, my, my pricing is this price. So it's so much easier to not run through additional color to through additional product in general that way Um, exactly i think it i don't want to say it's like harder in in hair than nails because I, i i can't say that per se you know um but i think the only thing that maybe could get a little trickier is as long as like your clients are doing their due diligence in between seeing you and they're coming in for their every three week or two week sitting with you right you're following the same protocol up till art right
1: Of course. And, you know, my thing with pricing is, like, across the beauty industry, you know, nails are the cheapest, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, cheapest service there is. You know, if you look at the average person and they're going to salons, you know, I don't want to call them chop shops or corner salons, but if they're going to, like, your burn salon, you know, they are, what, paying maybe... $35 $35 to $40, right. let's say, for a gel manicure. And but then chips... how is that lasting? Right. And that's it's...
0: always what I tell my clients because...
1: But a lot of like consumers, unfortunately, don't look at it that way Mm-mm. because they're so set. They have to go every two weeks because, let's be honest, sometimes it won't last. Right. But And they're used to paying that $35 to $40 versus if they go to an independent artist who's more... I don't want to say educated, but puts the time into those like continuing education and knowing her product and everything like that. And their nails can last three, four, sometimes five weeks, but she is chart or or he, my bad. They are charging sixty-five, seventy-five, eighty dollars. It's that price tag that right. like the public has an issue with, but they have no problem spending two or three hundred dollars for hair. you know 150 200 for lashes every two weeks you know and that's my issue is yes charge your worth but be able to back that with actual numbers Mm -hmm. like okay well my product costs this much you know my time costs this much my rent is this much i have more overhead and then also i factor in like i said before vacation time sick time Things of that nature that aren't provided for us in this industry. And I think that those things are great because I think
0: a lot of times we don't think about sick time or vacation. Right. And I think structuring it like that, again, alleviates a lot of stress that you end up signing yourself up for when your plate is just too full. Exactly. Um, And if you're more organized in your structure, like I said, I feel like your mind's clearer to be more productive.
1: Right. And it's also about, you know educating people like there was a post on instagram for nail pro and it was like a nail artist like talking about being like a six-figure nail artist and it's only, uh, I'm going to pull it up right now because it got me f- so fired up in the comments the other day. I was just like, and I think I sent it to our DMs so that I would remember to talk about it when we <laughs> You're recorded like, this as a matter episode. of fact, let's um, talk about it now. <laughs> so here it is. It was saying the average nail artist makes just an over 43K per year. Okay, that's great. So she was saying to or, in order to make 100K a year, is just $500 a day, four days a week. So that's five $100 services a day. What that does not take into account, you know, and this is what the comments were saying is that's if you work 52 weeks a year. Yeah. So you're never going to take a vacation. Mm -hmm. You're never going to have a sick day because in this, you know, equation, that's not there well and I think that that's what I do have an issue
0: with like that's a great example and I see it in our hair industry too like I think for so long everybody was like six figure stylist six figure stylist six figure stylist okay you have to understand the breakdown of that um and you have to understand there's so much that goes into that six figures like you have and, and are you talking about six figures before all of those deductions, like before, like your cost for the year, your cost for the year. And then let's say you take off a few times here and there, right. all of that, like when you sit down with your accountant, you could end up being like, I'm not a six figure stylist. I'm not a six figure artist, like not at all. Cause like, I don't think people understand like you making, a, i I'm hoping I'm using the right word, but your gross income, like right, right. before you yes. deduct anything, that's not what you live off of. Like that's before anything else, right? Um,
1: the, what, what what I was just saying, like yeah, that doesn't include your rent. So your nothing business might has be made that in right, six figures, but that's but not you what as you
0: are making six figures not. wise. Um, I know that there's like a great tool, and like you and I had even just talked about it. Um, for myself investing into it it's it's called i believe salon scale but uh for stylists it's supposed to be a great aid in helping i sound like i'm like plugging this and i'm not i just think it's a great um, (laughs) design because i think it can be very easy to over mix and over add um i do use Goldwell, so that's a little easier when you use the pump cans because you know exactly what you're putting into them Um, But with this, the salon scale, it it breaks down like you put in what um, and I hope I'm describing this right. But from what I've read, you put in like what your standard measurements for like a base retouch would be. Right. So if you surpass that, it tells you what you should be charging. Right. And I think that should be a big eye opener for a lot of people. I think especially right now in our industry, it's a very stressful time because we're what I think the last time I read it, it's inflation's up by 8.3% from last year right right so our product cost is on average probably I mean I know it's tough when we go to the salon store and we restock you're like whoa um
1: and also we just went through a pandemic like I remember I use gloves for Mm -hmm. every client because you know exposure and stuff like that that I'm protecting myself against I remember I was able to order a case of gloves off of Amazon for maybe 75 bucks. Yeah. I That was pre-pandemic. And after the pandemic, they went up to like $150, $160 for the exact same brand, the exact same amount of gloves, the exact right? same case. That's like, what is that? Like a 200% increase?
0: Mm-hmm. And then you have to add in like the cleaning fees that we incurred during that time. I know like a lot of um, clients or I don't want to say a lot, but I know some people weren't so happy when they'd see additional cleaning charges or this or that. Right. Um, But we're just in a place that, you know, we have to bring ourselves up at the same time to at least break even to what our income was In the years past
1: exactly um,
0: which is where like we have those difficult conversations so like i think florida is a great example um not that i'm like getting political (laughs) but florida is a great example where we're in this weird in between especially in south florida um where the cost of living is i mean everywhere is going through this but i will say that florida is getting hit pretty hard um the cost of living's insane down here right yeah now. i think they um, said
1: that south florida and miami are we are the the most expensive place to live in the country even more so than like new york now so yeah
0: and so it's a it's a tricky balance because you you care for your clients so you don't want to be Putting them in a position where they can't afford their services, but you also have to remember you have to put food on your table. Like you, your our
1: cost of living is, is going also, up. Right. Right.
0: We can't emotionally right. discount. And that's probably one of my biggest um faults. Like I love my clients and that's not a fault. But like sometimes like I because I don't really love like conflict and I'm a true people pleaser, <laughs> like I um can sometimes get like a little intimidated by the encouraged, like, t- by raising my prices, right? Of course. Um, it's a scary conversation for me to have at any time. But then anytime I've had it, all, like, pretty much all of my clients are like, you deserve a raise. Like, I've never gotten negative feedback from it. Right. It's just this fear I've built up in my own head.
1: And I think everyone has that fear in their right. head. Because it's normal when there's a price increase, You are going to lose clients. Right. That is a matter of fact. Right. it Sometimes, like last year when I increased my prices, I only lost two clients. Right. And that's great. But you know what? This year, when I raise my prices, because I will be, because... Mm It, it has to happen. Right. No, I'm at the point, I've, too. I have no choice. Like, right, it is... Right. And I think when we were talking about it, I was even telling you, normally I like to wait until after summers because I know people are doing vacations. I like to wait till after back to school because I know parents are spending a lot, like, new clothes, school supplies, all of these things. And it's like, but inflation We're is starting now. to drown like, like uh, i'm starting to feel it in my own mm-hmm. personal household budget and it's yeah. like i i have to do something Right. so it, you know are, am i going to lose more than 2 this year because inflation is hitting everyone hard yeah. and i understand that and i try to hold off for as long as i can but it's just a matter of fact Um, The other week when I was doing a class, one of the girls that was in my class, she's a mobile nail tech, and we were talking a little bit about pricing and stuff like that, and I looked at her, and I was like, I hope your prices are going up, because I just, to fill up my little Mazda CX-5 was $80 the other day, and it has, like, a 13-gallon tank or Mm -hmm. something like that, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, if you're driving, if you are a mobile tech right now- or a mobile stylist whatever it is your prices should have gone up because gas is fucking crazy and it's not necessarily about getting political or anything like that no it's just
0: a matter of like life right now right and And it's it's
1: stressful for everybody but
0: it has to be at least fair so like my first round of like I would say air quotes price increase was I was like, all right, like we don't know where everything's headed right now. Um, And I thought, well, to be fair, I'll just do 6% to reflect the inflation. I can tell you that was a failed idea on my point because (laughs) of the lack of organization, because I thought 6% because, you know, every time people come in, they don't always need everything. And sometimes they need a little bit less. Sometimes they need a little bit more. That'll be the best plan it wasn't I mean I'll be the first one to say organization just sets you up for more success yep. and I am somebody that tries to buck the system on organization and every time it literally like it just never works for me no It. it you just need a clean price list and that's it and and then you can function off of that right. um I think it's super important and really great too Where like before I never I'm like archaic when it comes to like Technology. We always joke and talk about that. But um, so I never collected email addresses because I'm like, well, I have everybody's number. Why do I need email addresses? Okay. So this is a prime example as to why. Because if you don't like conflict like me, when there's not conflict, you've just made it up in your head because you're <laughs> like that. Um, and you're like, oh my God, I have to tell everybody. Well, just send a universal email on your booking system. But if you're like Demi and you didn't collect the emails to begin with, now you've got to collect these emails so then you can send that email out, right? (laughs) So start from... Point one, when you're going independent, when you're opening your business with organization, get those emails and the phone numbers. That sets you up for success. Load in your prices. That's a great right. thing that like Square offers. Um, I've been like in this back and forth of if I was going to stick with Square, switch to Gloss Genius, which I think almost everybody uses in the salon now. Yeah. Um, I decided to stick to Square just because we do a, a few things like right. our, with our businesses on there. Um You can load your prices right in. So meaning when you book somebody, it literally says what the starting price for that service is. So it mentally prepares them for what they could be heading in to get done. Right. Um, And then I also think you should have a very transparent list, like either, you know, printed by your register, printed like just so people can view. Like I know people are like anti, I don't want to say anti, but like we're kind of moving past business cards. But I do think something and a guide for people to look Some at is for sure helpful like
1: something more tangible right like, like, like when i see. do my price
0: increase i'm planning on printing something to keep on my station for the time being just for everybody to be able to look over just in mm-hmm. case they have any questions um and i think it it, it steers away from the gray area like I, we've been having a lot of conversations you and i about not totally restructuring but seeing that i need to maybe reorganize right And I think that it's led to a lot more stress for me trying to be too loose, like too flexible where it's like you start to feel like you're losing control and it doesn't mean your clients are controlling you. You're just not in control. That doesn't mean you're giving the control to your clients per se. It might be that nobody's in control, right? Right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and you touched on a really good point. Like I always see – like stylist or artist or whatever they'll go onto their Instagram stories and be like effective this date, my prices are going up and like if that works for them, like that's fine. Like I, you have to do you, but then I also feel that not all of my followers care about that, which is why I always, I mean, I use gloss genius. I love them. They're amazing. If you haven't checked them out, um, but it does collect emails. So what I do typically is about two, you know, like maybe the month before, I'll send out a mass email to everyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll just be like, listen, my prices are going up however I need to word it. Um, I usually do for my clients give like a short you know, explanation as to why my prices are going up. Not that I feel that I have to, but... I do think
0: it's nice, though, because I think the transparency cuts out any of that room for people to feel maybe offended by it. Right. Or to feel like... um, Right
1: a number you know right and I believe in transparency like I am very open with my I mean not about all parts of my business but you know like when I had to raise my prices post pandemic I told them yeah gloves went from 75 dollars to like 160 dollars a case and all of my clients were like what yeah you know so that it kind of helps them understand and you know not that they need you know, whatever. Anyways, so I'll send out the email and I'll tell them what services are impacted by that price increase and what the new price will have. So that'll give them an opportunity to, to make their decision, to make their decision. If they're going to continue to stay with me or if they're going to go to someone else, you know, that's always their decision. I just don't personally believe that all of my Instagram followers need to see that price increase.
0: Well, I think that we've seen like a change in the years with Instagram too. I think that before it did feel like it was a big tool in communicating with your clients um, where there's still that extension there. But I think we've definitely seen it kind of veer into a different direction where people don't really need to see that like posted on your social media. It doesn't mean you can't, but... Um, I know that like, I don't know if I really would be over the moon in posting it there. Um, And not like for any other reason than the same thing you're saying. Um, I just don't know if that's like an avenue I feel that needs to be used for communication with clients anymore. Before it was like you had to like get on and be like, Oh my god, pre book. Oh my god, do this. Like, I might, like, here and there still, like, post a pre-book notification. Like, now I'm starting to really look at my book, and I'm um, pretty booked for the year. Like, right. I'm starting to be, like, the last two weeks before Christmas. I'm, you know, pretty maxed out. And so, like, I may do, like, a courtesy post in that sense. Right. I'll do that, For anybody I'm not seeing maybe till August because I don't want them to feel like they don't have a good pick of, you know, time slots because they waited too long. Um, I'll post with stuff like that. But I think that especially when it comes to, like, pricing, um, it's all with your wording, too. And again, this isn't us telling you to people, please, but I think that if if you post it the right way, it doesn't feel like aggressive, aggressive. But if it's posted in a way that feels a little, I don't know. Like I always try to look at both perspectives and both sides. I could see where you're like, okay i mean she did not have to say it that way you know right. like where it becomes a little intimidating the conversation where if you word it the right way and you explain it well and you send an email out or like for me like i know i'm gonna start the conversation through the month of july just to prep everybody and explain the situation and so for i'll probably have my prices printed out within the next two weeks just to put on my station of to course. look over um I think it makes it a lot less of an uncomfortable conversation. Anytime money is involved, it can kind of, you, you can toe the line of it being of a little weird.
1: Of course. And, you know, listen, we're in this busy business to make money. Like right. this, Being a hairstylist, a lash artist, a nail artist, whatever you are in this industry is not just fun and games, and it's our hobby, and you know, pay me whatever you want. Yeah. It's our business. This right. is how we provide for our families, how we pay our bills, and. I know last episode I was saying, you know, you have to kind of separate that business and personal Mm -hmm. and pricing is one of those times. It is not personal. This is business. This is the number that I need to to pay off my bills, to pay my rent, to put groceries on my table. This is not a personal, I just feel like raising my prices because it's, You know, I see everyone on Instagram doing it. Right. I think you really have
0: to sit down and think about it. You have to look at your prices. You have to understand where there needs to be the raises. You need to understand what costs have gone up. And it has to be an educated decision. Right. You know, and that's where I think we go back to what you said in the beginning about charging your worth. Well, I could set my worth at anything. Of course, I should think highly of myself. But what's a realistic worth in our industry and you're not undercharging and you're not overcharging you're finding that sweet spot in the middle
1: well and then you know i see a lot of people like i remember when i first went independent i was first of all scared shitless about going independent because it's a big decision right and then when it came to what i was going to price my services I just brought along with me the prices from my previous salon. That's what I did. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. No, it gives you, like, an
0: outline for a pricing structure. Right. But But I think it kept me stuck. Like, I'm almost, like, sometimes I, like, revert back to it even still. And I'm like, bitch, it's been four years, five years almost, like,
1: Right, but then... What's
0: this fear? Right, like
1: those numbers also didn't work for me. Right. You know, and I think it was was kind of crazy because I've talked before about how like the first premiere nail show or whatever that it's called up in Orlando, when Evan went with me, we went to a couple of different, you know, business seminars. Mm -hmm. And one of them was about pricing because I wanted some more information. And it was like really mind opening and i was like oh shit like i'm totally not running the numbers like i should right and i went online because she had i mean obviously they're trying to get there was like a
0: calculator because i think you had shared it like we were talking about it yeah yeah
1: so she obviously they're trying to sell you or Uh educate you in these seminars and i'll also try to find the link so i can put it in the show notes for this but it was... Oh, I'll add the salon scale, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can link both of those. Mm-hmm. So, and it was literally... She had done all the work because your girl cannot work an Excel spreadsheet
0: <laughs> to save her life. Yeah, that's Julian's wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, it was... I think I want to I say I paid, like, $20. Now, this was, like, four years ago, so don't quote me on the price. But it was, yeah. like, super cheap for this spreadsheet... And let me tell you, this thing is so in-depth. It goes through and it's like, do you have employees that work for you? Do you have, you know, how many, what days are you going to take off? And it factors all of that in. And then you put in your product costs, like how much a bottle of polish, how much, how many services can you get out of that bottle? And, you know, how much are your files, your gloves, et cetera, et cetera. So when you're completely done, it breaks all of that down, like your product cost per service, what you want to pay yourself, and it tells you whether you're making a profit or a loss on that service. So I always try to update mine at least once a year because products, you know, prices fluctuate or when I notice like a product has gone off, like the base that I use for all of my nail services, which is Luminary, They raised their prices for the first time in four years. So now I need to go back to my spreadsheet and reflect and reflect that to make sure that my service is still going to be generating enough of a profit to pay the salary that I want. And plus like a raise that I want to give myself.
0: I also think like that same spreadsheet, like where you can apply it to um, like hair is a big eye opener is when you start to calculate what your hourly worth is. Yeah. Um, uh, The reason I want to touch on that is because of color corrections. I think that color corrections are probably one of the most difficult things to price in our industry because I think we start to emotionally discount them a lot. Um, the reason that we emotionally discount them is we feel bad. Sometimes you're like, oh, my God, they've been here for six hours. Oh, my God, this. Oh, my God, that. Like, you start to right. beat yourself up. I think, you know, especially as artists, we're a little more emotional. So it's easy to slip into those negative thoughts. Um, and then you start to emotionally discount. I've been into, like, reading more about this lately because I feel like it sometimes <laughs> applies to me. But, um I think that when you figure out what your hourly rate should be or is, right, and then you break it down to think of, like, you've spent six hours with this person, correcting, potentially, if they're a new client, a lot of things that you didn't do to their hair. And you're working very hard to, to correct. So I think you sitting down and seeing, like, wait, so spending six hours of the day with this one person, not double booking, solely using them as our only, you know, as that only guest that only focus of the day of course we want to work with them we want to work with their pricing you know and make sure that like it's fair and transparent to what they thought they were going to spend from the beginning but i think that if you have somebody in your chair for six hours that needs to be charged accordingly like um that's the only thing i'd say with that if that's your only client of the day or you know is there a way to make it more economical? Like for them, can you break it into two sittings? Like, can you do something the first sitting that preps them and then their second sitting do the additional? That way you're not giving them a discount because you feel bad they're sitting with you for six hours, but you're finding something in the in-between that, offers you the option to work with them right because Um, if
1: you're only charging somebody let's say 300 and they for six for six hours you're you're
0: valuing yourself at 50 dollars an hour right um which is you have to think about that like
1: right minus your product minus right i think it's a lot easier
0: when you've gotten to a point of of being more at a built place like you and i like a six hour correction i could have People coming in and right. out as they're processing because I, I book right. multiple people. Um, but if you're sitting with just that one person, your pricing structure has to be even more organized and perfect. I mean, there's really no gray area, but I'm just saying that because I'm trying to make myself feel better here. <laughs> um, but there, especially if you're sitting with one person at a time. Of course. You have to be very clean cut about your your pricing structure. And that's just to protect your time, too. Well, and Um, it goes
1: back to this is not your fucking hobby. This is your fucking
0: job. and that's exactly it. It's a business. Right, right. And, yes, that's it. Ain't nobody got time for all the other stuff.
1: No, and... um, but then
0: I'm saying this and I'm trying to like repeat these mantras in my head too, because I'm like ah,
1: I just want everybody to be happy.
0: Like, but um, no, I, I it's it's a very, very big conversation and I think it's an even bigger conversation because let's be honest, I know we always talk about social media, but with social media now, expectations are skyrocketing. Of course. Um, just as far as what can happen in one sitting and how much they want done in one sitting and all of those things. And listen, like, that's fine. Like, I also, I always use the example of, like, when Guy Tang was, like, booming when Balayage first became a thing. Like, um, these people were sitting sometimes, like, in his studio because I think that's when he like had the YouTube channel in his one single person studio or however the setup was it would be
1: like eight Eight, hours ten hours right and
0: we would get the same inspo photos in and nobody understood that that was that type of time frame right right so and they were spending oodles of money with him right um But because there wasn't that understanding of that price breakdown, there was the expectation that you could get it done in a three-hour sitting or three-and-a-half-hour sitting, have the same result come out, and do it for a far more economical price than what he was charging. And so I think that now, especially with all the – ability to be transparent and to show you like hey you can have that but it's going to take this long in one sitting and mm-hmm. it's going to cost this much it makes people kind of weigh out what's really important for them to have
1: of course and then like also you know your pricing is what your pricing is you know like you can't like you're saying emotionally discount and you can't be scared to change that pricing mm-hmm. like you should be raising your prices. i I personally believe at least once a year because costs go up. Yeah, we deserve raises once a year, and I will forever die on the hill that the worst time to raise your prices is in January.
0: Yeah well because everybody's getting hit so i think that like i mean i i see us doing like with us both agreeing to do it around the same time i think we've both eaten as much of the increases in in this inflation that we have been able to and we're just rounding out to a time that's realistic it's far enough ahead of the holidays where people aren't in like a stressful time financially hopefully it's a weird time in general so it is it's it tough is. but um i think hitting somebody when it's the the slowest time of the year for you anyway well, and
1: then you have all the holidays just ended everyone's paying off christmas or right. whatever holiday you choose and to it's celebrate already, january yeah. is the worst that is right. january and july are the two slowest mm-hmm. months for me historically in my business because i do like track my income and stuff like that but You should be raising your prices. Typically, I like to do it like right around the mid-September, beginning of October. Um, But you're going to lose clients as well. And you can't be scared to to lose lose clients. clients. Like you and I recently had this conversation. Raising your prices and weeding out... I mean, I hate to say weeding out, but it will. It will weed out the people who don't want to pay those new prices. Yeah, and that's not a personal and attack. No, per and it's not. Like, we cannot get upset about somebody no. else's personal budgets. Right. So, like, this is our business. We have our own personal budgets that we have to, you know, right. handle. So, but it opens the door and you have to look at it it opens the door to new opportunities to bring in people who are willing to pay your new prices and won't blink an eye at them and also to switch up your schedule some sometimes you just need new blood and
0: i also think that it it feels good when you do maybe do a price increase and, um, you know, I think we've talked about it when our client breakup episode, uh, I think we all can relate that it's like a gut feeling, like Mm -hmm. a a gutting feeling, not gut feeling when you lose somebody because you do care about your business. It's never a good feeling, even if it's the most tumultuous breakup to see somebody leave because it's, it, it's a shitty feeling if you, you know, if you care about your book and your clientele and who sits in your chair. and Right. Um, but with that being said, I think that when you go through a price increase and then let's say, you know, that opens up a spot because somebody financially can't stick with you. And yes, that's a hard breakup, especially when they're not leaving you because they're unhappy with the services you're providing. It's so easy to feel guilt and be like, never mind. Right. But... Imagine how good it feels when that new person comes along who's excited to pay that price that you just increased yourself to. Like, what a validating feeling and what a confidence-building moment to have somebody excited to sit in your chair to pay those prices. That's not dogging the client who couldn't afford that and needed to move on, but there is something to be said about feeling like somebody does value you.
1: Well, and not only that, but, like, you and I... And that's not just – let me say – I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're fine.
0: (laughs) That's not just for new clients. I feel like even when you see your clients saying things like, you deserve a raise, you're like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? Why was I, like, literally hyperventilating for four weeks about this? Well,
1: usually – and then it's funny because I've already been putting out, like – Feelers. Like, not necessarily feelers, but, like, telling them that it's coming and it's going to be coming soon – and all of them are like, uh, I don't care what you raise it to. I'm going to be here. And then I turn it into a kind of awesome. That'll be $800. <laughs> right. Like as a joke. And, and you just we, make
0: it more comfortable.
1: Right. And then it's like, okay. So, but you know what? Some you, I might price myself out for some people. And yeah. that's okay, too, because... And, and it's not, like you said, it's not dogging that person, but it's also not their fault that my product cost has gone up. Right. But my value has stayed the same, mm-hmm. you know, like they're, they're not breaking nails or, you know, right. anything like that. That's not their fault. Um. And it's also, you know, not something that they should have to take on if they don't perceive that value in the service that I right. provide. But that opens a door for somebody else who's been wanting to get in who's exactly. been excited and you know what that gives me a new opportunity to educate somebody else because right. the client that left you she already is educated she knows like the value that I provide she knows what to look for like if she finds somebody more affordable but maybe they're not you know doing something that she likes and she knows what to you know mm-hmm. he or she knows what to look for like proper cuticle air not cuticle care not using the cheese grater on your feet you know like right she knows what to look for right and that's perfectly fine and I keep saying she but I do have a male client it's not just she's yeah sorry <laughs> I'm just getting passionate and yeah no I know words. I get
0: totally get what you're saying though but I think at the end of the day you just have to remember and I think it's a stressful time I mean I have been in the window of being super hard on myself. I can be that way a lot. Um, Melissa has to hear it all the time. But um, I'm extremely hard on myself with trying to make sure everybody's happy. But you have to remember, especially in this season of time that we're in now, that you still have to be cognizant of the numbers coming in and i think that that's also something to be said with having a good relationship with your accountant because i know that there's been times like julian handles more of the accounting than i do Mm -hmm. um because we just divide and conquer he deals with a lot of the numbers i don't really deal with the numbers as much that's just the reality of teaming up and owning multiple businesses um but with that being said like I mean, I even remember, like, the loss that we incurred the year of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, When we sat down and we saw those numbers at the end of the year, I was like, okay, I don't feel bad, you know, for needing to do an increase or, you know, um, like – we I've been open. We applied for the PPP loan. And and, you know, like I'm not a money hungry person, but seeing the loss that we incurred, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I feel no guilt at this point. Like we did the right thing. I didn't qualify for unemployment. Um, I, so it worked for us. But that's what I mean with having a good relationship with your accountant, because sometimes even when you feel guilty, seeing those numbers right in front of your face, if you're a little nervous to just go through it on your own. Talking with the person who handles your books right in front of you, that should be your answer right there.
1: Absolutely. Like, and, you know, when the PPP first came out, like, because I did qualify, I did qualify for unemployment right away because I've always like W 2'd myself. So I got the unemployment. And when my accountant reached out to me the first time about the PPP loan, I was like, no, like, they've forgiven my rent, I'm getting unemployment, like, like give it to another small business that needs it, like, I'm okay right now, and then when that next round came out, like, she called me, and she was like, we're applying for this, like, you have the loss, and I'm like, really? Because I didn't feel it. Yeah. And when we sat down and she broke the numbers down i was like oh damn i guess i just yeah. you know so definitely having a good accountant is for important sure. no it's and not only that but your accountant can also help set goals for you or help you set goals your financial goals like if you do want to open your own salon or something like that um you know your accountant could say okay well you financially you need to be bringing in x amount and you're only at this amount so they can help you break it down so that you can maybe build that business savings and whatever like I have a financial goal for myself right I have had that same financial goal for the last few years but you know I'm more focused on working to it and Mm -hmm. working towards it now and you know, that means I'm not going to hit it this year for sure with this price increase, but, you know, it's still there. But I think there. that those
0: are so important, and I think that, like, when you do – I mean, we even use this as, as parenting advice with our daughter. Like, um, when you start to be more present for yourself and you start to value what you're doing, be more yeah. organized, and know you're showing up at a different level, then you start to feel a little more confident in yourself you know so then those things don't feel so scary
1: Absolutely. So we'll
0: be cheering you on. And just as a cute reminder, Melissa and I will be doing a price increase together in <laughs> August. So, you know, if you want to join,
1: and, <laughs> and if you're a client, surprise. I'm sorry, in advance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this week I'll have lots of lip sweat talking to everybody.
1: <laughs> but it's fine, and that's okay. Yeah. And if you need help, we are, I am always, always <laughs> <Yeah>. happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm probably going through it with you. We are going through it together. I
1: like, can respond to your DM with a Okay. Yeah. And I'm just there going, charge it, do it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so like
0: we said, if that's something that's in your wheelhouse of needing to do, then we definitely recommend joining in. Yes. On the increase. The Yep. <laughs> what we could it. call it the Increase
1: of Twenty Twenty Two. The Beauty Bees podcast increase. Like, we'll all hold hands. Maybe we can get on a Zoom. Maybe we should start a Patreon, and we can all drink together that night of August first when our prices have grown. Like, "Ah!" Like, we can all just. Panic together. (laughs) No, there doesn't
0: need to be panic. Like I said, I think that most times we find we build that panic up for ourselves. And when we have those conversations, there's never a situation where somebody doesn't. Well, I shouldn't say there's never. There's most times that there's not a situation of somebody thinking that you're being greedy or you're not, you know, doing. And let me say this too, because. If somebody does think that of you because you've done a price increase, then it's time for them to move on because they don't value you anymore and there's not that mutual respect. And we know Demi loves some mutual respect, so that's not dogging them, but that means they've probably been ready to move on. And so that increase just maybe might be their opportunity to move on, but just remember that means that door's open for somebody to come in.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll be sure to put the spreadsheet link in our show notes. Yes, for sure. A reminder for future Melissa, put (laughs) the spreadsheet in the show notes. And we'll add this lawn scale, too. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, All right. So until next time. Yes, until next time. Raise those prices, baby. Mm-hmm.